Hi there. If you're listening to this and you're new to Toronto Christian Community Church, we are a multicultural, non-denominational Christian church with a Cantonese, Mandarin, and English congregation all under one roof. We are located on the intersection of Warden and Steeles Avenue, right on the border of Scarborough and Markham. We serve folks from the greater Toronto area and the suburbs around it, whether that's North York, Markham, Richmond Hill, Scarborough, or Mississauga. Sunday English services are currently being held virtually from 9.40 a.m. to around 10.45 to 11 a.m. At 11.20 after services from June to July, we have our Junction Table Talks where we discuss the passage and sermon for the week. For more information, head over to info.tccc.ca. Hey T3C family, I'm Roxine and I'm your English Ministry Communications Coordinator. We hope you've been enjoying our Junction series because today we're going to the sixth of eight weeks of our Junction series. And we're tackling 1 Timothy chapter 4 verses 5 to 12 with Clarence Lau Lau <laughs> and Sally Ng. In this conversation, we talk about what are some of the most common myths we hear about Christianity, why and how we can train for godliness, and what to do about our spiritual gifts. So in this episode, I actually mistakenly say that this is the second to the last week of Junction when it's actually the third to the last week. So sorry about the mistake. Um, otherwise, I'm super thankful to Clarence and Sally for spending a few minutes chatting today. And without further ado, here's Clarence and Sally. Hi, Sally. Hi, Clarence. Um, how are you guys doing today? Uh, good. Hello. Hi, Roxy. <laughs> So to start us off, um, for the second to the last week of Junction, it is the second to the last week, I think. Okay, anyway, to start us off, um, could you guys please introduce yourselves and also a little bit about what you do um, for work and then for church as well? Uh, hi, so I'm Clarence. Uh, I am currently a table talk leader uh, for this year's Junction. And uh, for work, I am a business development specialist at a uh, full-service Canadian law firm. I'm Sally. I'm the pastoral ministry assistant at T3C for the English congregation. And I'm also facilitating with the Junction Table Talks as well. And Sally also did the sermon last Sunday. So we're expecting a lot from you, Sally. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll jump right into the passage, which is 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 5 to 12. Um, like Kind of like previous uh, weeks, we're going to assume that everyone's already read the passage. Everyone's listened to Sally's sermon, and we're just going to do some Q&A questions. And so the first question um, in the group discussion questions is, what are some lies or myths that you guys have heard about Christianity? Um. Yeah, so, so I think uh, when I think about lies and myths about Christianity, I look at it from two perspectives. And the first perspective is uh, myths that Christians have about Christianity or, or misconceptions or thing, or traps that they fall into. Um, and then, of course, I am um, non-Christians who look at Christianity from the outside. Um, and so I think one of the things that, uh, one of the traps that I've fallen into, and I know um, probably a lot of my friends have fallen into as well, is um, is really just when they have stumbling blocks or when they fall into sin or when they have extended periods of time where they're not in close contact or if they're not connected with God, right? Um, they start feeling like they're not inadequate, like they're not worthy, um, like they're not saved. Um, and I think that's a really dangerous uh, thing for us to fall into. Um, I think it's really important for us to, yeah, just remember that 
um, we are saved um, by faith and not by works. Um, and yeah, and, and I think uh, and I think that ties really well into uh, prob- probably, in my opinion, the biggest misconception uh, from a non-Christian perspective, uh, which is where a lot of non-Christians just look at Christians as uh, being really good people and just living their life by the strict moral code and have a lot of rules and things that things that that they they can't do. And so I think again, it's important uh, to really share. Um, what the gospel is with with them, right? That the gospel isn't do all these different things and then you'll be able to go to heaven, right? It's it's um, it's understanding your sin um, and and knowing that if you believe uh, in Christ who who died on the cross for our sins, uh, then we're then we'll be able to have to build that relationship with Him and live with Him in eternity. So I think really it's it's uh, I think um, yes, whether or not it's conscious or subconscious, so we often think about um, we often think about creating uh, uh, this this way of, it's like a give and take and exchange, right? Where, where we do good things and we receive something in return. And that makes sense, right? Because that's where, that's how a lot of, um, that's how a lot of other, that's how a lot of things work in life, right? You know, there's a, there's a give and take, right? You buy something, you give money, you receive something like, you know, um, yeah. Yeah, I like that point about um, how Christianity and our relationship with God isn't a transactional one. Um, we don't have... We don't have a say in it um, because we don't deserve it in the first place. And who are we to try and do good works once we are saved to <laughs> maintain that relationship? Um, not to say that good works um, aren't important, uh, but they're not what saves us. Um, and almost even the second point about non-Christian and that myth about that Christians are just good people. It's almost like saying Jesus is just a good person um, when it's so much more than that. I like that. Yeah, and I think another kind of myth that goes out very frequently is that, you know, once you become a Christian, everything becomes fine and dandy. And um, they, they think God is, you know, going to give you everything that you want and all that your heart desires. But um, rather, it's not that. It is a joy-filled life, a life of truth. Um, and so just as you guys said, it's not transactional. It's um, it's not like if, if you receive salvation, all of a sudden everything goes well in life, but rather there is an, 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 a peace comes over your life because of the presence of Christ. Um, so that's another big myth I've also heard or, or kind of experienced uh, through other people as well. And it's like when you become a Christian, the problems don't go away. It's just a different set of problems. Like you don't, you no longer have to worry about what happens to you when you die, or whether or not you know that whether or not you you're you know if you're doing the right thing or not. You know what to do, and that God's just giving you the power to do the right thing. And the the other set of problems that come is like it's actually hard to do the right thing (laughs) it's hard to submit and it's hard to stand by god's principles and do what he wants to do versus what we want to do so yeah it's a different set of problems when you become a christian the next question that we're going to go into is um what do you think it means when in verse four the passage says for everything created by god is good the way that i um interpreted or the way that i i read it um was that God created all things, and so all things were intended for for goodness, right? All all things were intended to be um, f- to be good in some way, right? And so for me, the three examples that popped popped up um, when I was thinking was the first one being uh, food, the second one being alcohol, and the third one being sex, right? Th- these are some of the common things that I I would say like a lot of people consider temptations or, or vices, right? And and I think yeah, like. Um, they're not the uh, th- these are things that are not objectively bad, 
Um, but I think uh, whether as as Christ, as Christians, right, uh, or as non-Christians too, we see um, we see a lot of examples like oh, like you know, like we don't want to overeat because we'll become gluttons and we'll become fat and like you know it's unhealthy, right? And then with alcohol, it's like you know, drinking, like don't become drunk, right? Losing your control and and then sex, like you know, like the lust and 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 the um, I guess like like yeah, like just um, yeah, the, the, the lust or like wanting someone or, 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 or whatever. Right. And so, and, but at the same time, right. I think in scripture, we also see examples of these things being, being good. Right. Um, <laughs> when I, when I think about alcohol, it's always like the, well, but Jesus turned water into wine. Right. So, so that. <laughs> Is that your favorite um, passage, Clarence? <laughs> oh, wow, I love it. It's great. <laughs> um, yeah, but even right. Like, like even, even something, uh, even something like sex, right? Like, like it was, it was intended to be holy, right? Like, and, and done in like, in like a, in like a marriage setting. Um, and so, so, so I, so I think, uh, and then in the context of this passage, right? What is, what it seems like is uh, the people, uh, is it, is the term asceticism? I, I I'm, I'm it, like, where they, where they're like banning or like everything, like it is, is uh, everything that is of the flesh or whatever is, is, is bad. Um, and so I think that's what those, these people are teaching here. Like it's an over, it's an over uh, excess um, of, of something. Um, and, and yeah, so, so I think, so I think like all these things are intended to be good and are, are able to be good. And we're, and we're able to, to celebrate um, sort of like a Sally said, like we're like in the, about the previous question, right? Like we are, we are still able to live full and we're able to live good um, and, and, and happy and, and, yeah, and, and, and wholesome and enjoyable lives. Um, you're right. And, and in the same way, like we're able to do that in a way that glorifies God. Yeah. Like, like Clarence explained already, the, the context of, of the passage is important um, because these people were promoting and teaching different things um, to remember the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament is the same God. Um, and when he created the world, he intended it for good and he said it is good. Um, and to turn it around and use all those laws and to forbid and restrict certain things. Uh, and that takes away from the devotion of actually living in a relationship with God, then um, it's been misunderstood and it's been misled. And when you teach those things, then Tim, uh, Paul there is really trying to correct that, um, to understand the Bible correctly for what it is and knowing God's heart behind everything. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that, well, you can go to either extreme, like extremely, like just extremely saying, restricting everything to the one extreme and the other extreme just being, doing everything in excess. Um, and it's almost like, how do you moderate this? And in that verse talks about how um, everything created by God is good and nothing is, is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving made holy by the word of God in prayer. So there's always that North Star of gratitude towards God for the blessings that he's given us. And everything we do lining up with the word of God in prayer, like it's almost like the question isn't food, alcohol, or sex. The question is holiness. (laughs) Um, And using that as a way to figure out whether or not you should do something is more important than saying, is this a good thing or not? Um, one of the questions that kind of ties into that is, um, how does one train for godliness and why do we need to be trained? Because I think this question is important because we talked about how when you become a Christian, some changes happen in you 
Um, but then why do you still have to train for godliness if, let's say, the Holy Spirit is already in us? And in terms of um, this word training, um, there is that comparison of, of athletic, you know, physical exercises. Um, and so when we have a, a goal to work towards in terms of physical exercises, um, then we, we start to make a plan for it and, and we incorporate these exercises. So let's say if you wanted to work on your core or your, your arms and you do those exercises on certain days, but um, it's also in relation to, to the rest of your daily life um, and it's incorporated into it. And it's not so much a, a Sunday, like a one day thing, because if you work out one day a week, it's not going to work to, in terms of building your muscle and building that, um, yeah, building that muscle in your body and, and training that up. Um, so in the same way, we, we use that contrast to train for godliness um, and knowing that godliness is becoming more more into the presence of, of Christ living that out, um, then we're able to understand that this training is, is a development, it's a growth, it's a process. It's not an indication of salvation, that salvation has already been received. But once you become a believer, once you become a follower of Jesus Christ, there, it, it's a path that, and it's a journey that you follow. And the goal of it is to become more like Christ in, in this world to those around us to other believers, uh, to non-Christians, um, anyone we come into contact with. Um, so those, those that training can include spiritual exercises, spirit, some people call it spiritual formation, um, and that comes in, in different forms. So let's, let's say we start with training in, in learning how to read the Bible correctly um, and understanding what our relationship with God through that, um, or sitting in prayer, or practicing Sabbath. And, and it's all of these are not meant to be rules, but exercises that would train us towards our attention to turn to God and being aware of his presence in our lives. And I really like that where it's like you said, it's not, they're not meant to be rules. They're meant to be exercises to be done. Um, and once you become a Christian, it, it's be, becoming holy is almost like a privilege that you actually can become holy now. And why don't you walk towards it? Um, before like w w before we become a Christian, we don't have that path. Like we can't be holy no matter what we do. But once you become a Christian, a path opens up towards holiness and having that right relationship with God. Yeah, I, I really, this was a very interesting verse for me to read, like um, training yourself for godliness. Um, yeah, like, like the first thing I thought of is, is like, oh, like physical training. Right? And, then, and, then, and then Paul does talk about, bodily training being of some value and says like, well, godliness is a value in, in every, in every way as a whole promise for the present life and, and also for the life to come. Right. And so all the things that, um, that Sally and, and Roxine, you guys just, just mentioned is, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's relevant not only for, I guess, our, um, our, our, our life, um, now in terms of like our spiritual life, uh, with, uh, with God. Um, but, um, and also like, I guess when we, when we get to heaven and, um, and, and our, and our future, uh, in, in eternity. Um, but also, uh, yeah, just, just building, building our relationship with them. Um, yeah, whether it's through the different things like scripture, prayer, et cetera. Um, and I think someone, uh, someone in my uh, table talk group had, had mentioned that, um, uh, not only is it growing our relationship, uh, with God and growing like the different ways that we're able to communicate with him, but also increasing our desire to want to be with him as we grow closer to him, right? you know, spending more and more of that time with him and, and wanting to do things. Right. And I think, I, I think for me, like ha just having like that example of like bodily training being, um, um, being compared next to training for godliness is, 
is a good well, was a good mental or um, mental example uh, for me to kind of compare it to. Um, and I and I and I think um, one thing that an image that's that stood up uh, in my mind when you asked about oh like you know uh, what's it what happens when uh, when it's like the beginning and when you're filled with the Holy Spirit and, and you have that change in you like why do you have to keep um, keep training yourself right. Um, for me, what, the image that came was like, yeah, like when people start working out and start lifting weights or whatever, like they experience these sudden gains in, 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 uh, in muscle. you start getting a little flabby, right? The, the muscles start, start to kind of fade away, right? You don't get as, you don't stay strong, right? It's something that you have to continually maintain, right? Um, throughout your entire life. Um, and I think, uh, it's the same, it's the same concept with physical training and it's the same concept, uh, with, with spiritual training as well, right? Like even though we do have those skills or, or, um, or even though we, we are able to start training ourselves, um, physically when, uh, when we lose, like when, when we stop doing it, right. Like we do see, uh, we do see diminishing it, like returns, I guess, in terms of, uh, how, how, how we're, uh, how we're growing spiritually. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just like a perfect segue to wrap up with the last question where it's like for your own lives, like what gifts do you think God's spirit has given you and how have you used them? How have you trained yourself to use those gifts? Uh, I, I think it takes time to figure out what giftings that we have as we grow more spiritually mature. Um, when you first start, it's kind of like, okay, I might be good at this and good at uh, another or not good in another. Um, but it does take time as God leads you to um, different ministries as you grow, um, not, all, not only in spiritual maturity, but in age as well. Um, and I think um, if you don't know what those giftings are, the encouragement is to try um, to go go through different ministries and go go to uh, trusted advisors and, and mentors um, that are able to co- coach you and, and help you through figuring out what those spiritual gifts are. Um, and so as I was I, I was growing up, I, I think one of those things that have been trained in me is, is the gifts of hospitality and, and being and welcoming um, in a sense that um, I'm, I'm more approachable in, in getting to know people. Um, and so that, that kind of helps me in, in just the way that I go towards ministry and the ministries that I serve in as well. Um, and so that's one of those things. And, and probably another one is probably along the administration side as well. Um, but again, those, those are constantly forming and, and I think God is leading me in, to grow in different areas as well. Yeah, I, I, I fully, I completely agree uh, with what Sally said. I think a lot of it is, uh, yeah, just serving or, do, or doing things um, uh, and, and finding out. Uh, I remember for me, I hadn't really thought much about um, spiritual gifts uh, for, for most of my life. Um, when I did think about it for the the first time was um, when, when I went on, on a on a, on a midterm uh, a mission trip a few years back, and one of the one of the preparations um, for that was a was a spiritual uh, gifts test, and so I think that was that was that was the first time I had really thought about it. Um, and, and to be honest, I don't I don't really even remember what exactly uh, the gifts were. Um, I think. I, I, th- I think one of them was, uh, was, was teaching. Um, but I, but I also think for me, um, for me personally, it just has been a, a, a case where, uh, I'm, I'm really still in terms of my current stage of life. Like I'm really still 
figuring out where I want to be serving and what I want to be serving in. Uh, so, so I think I'm a little bit more hesitant to share like what exactly I feel like my gifts, my giftings or, or where, where I'm strong in, because a lot of it right now for me, at least is the stage of discovery. Like I really, I am in that stage of figuring out um, how I can best uh, ser- serve in the church and, 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 how, and, what, and what I, and what I can do um, and the best and what I'm most inclined to do. Mm-hmm. I think for me, it's actually a combination of both of you. Like I never really put a lot of thought into spiritual gifts, um, like similar to Clarence, but then with what Sally's talking about where, where you just go do it. Like I just say yes when people ask me to do stuff. <laughs> like So I think for people who are listening, if you don't know your gifts, just say yes when Pastor Ed or Reverend Ed asks you to do something. <laughs> He's very good at that. You just ask uh, like for me, he asked me to start teaching Sunday school. At first, I was super hesitant because uh, everyone, it's not like kids Sunday school. It's not kids CE class. It's everyone is older than me. <laughs> it's like, why do I have to teach these people? Um, but I think after a couple of kind of seasons of teaching Sunday school, it's not as much what I can impart, but like what God wants to speak through me. Um, and personally, I've just had such a blessed time teaching Sunday school, not because I'm really good at talking to people, um, but mostly because it's actually given me the time to dig deep into the word. Um, And I think that's one of the values of spiritual gifts, that it's not about what, it's not just about what we can do and serve and give to the church, but it's also something that grows us in our relationship with God while helping us love other people more. yeah, so spiritual gifts is a super beautiful thing. Um, one last thing to wrap this up is, can one of you guys pray for us, please? <laughs> uh, sure, I'll pray. Let's uh, pray, guys. Uh, Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for uh, for this day and, and, and for this time uh, of being able to uh, share and, and have a conversation and, and discuss your word. Um, Lord, uh, yeah, we pray um, for this current climate and for this current time as we continue uh, to navigate uh, uncertainty, Lord. Uh, just pray for wisdom um, for uh, for our church, uh, for for ourselves personally, for our families, for I guess our communities around us, Lord. Um, and yeah, God, I pray that um, we'd be able to uh, to to think about uh, what it means to uh, to really, I guess, train ourselves spiritually. Um, and yeah, think about those gifts that you've blessed us with, and think about the different ways uh, that, that that we can um, really help or or that we can serve and, and, and work ar- um, around and, and, and within the church, uh, Lord. So, uh, yeah, we, um, we, we thank you for this time. Uh, we pray these things in your most holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. Um, okay, I'll let you guys go back to your lunchtime slash lunch break. Um, yeah, thanks, guys. Bye. No thank you. Bye. Thanks. Hi again, T3C family, and there you have it. We hope you're blessed by our discussion today. And before we part, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast wherever you choose to listen to so you get this every single week. And if you're not subscribed to our midweek email and our Sunday bulletin, you can do that at info.t3c.ca slash bulletin. If you have any questions or feedback or have any messages for your T3C family, you can go to info.tccc.ca slash podcast, click message to record a short clip and that we can include in a future podcast episode. Finally, we want to thank Amanda Wong for our podcast artwork, and we want to pray and wish you a blessed week. Till next time, bye.